Oh, Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for everybody who's here. I, uh, I pray for those who aren't here. I uh, pray for those that we interact with the lives so we can be the light and life of, of you and your spirit inside of us. Uh, I pray that tonight we don't walk away the same people that we came in. I pray that we allow your word to penetrate our hearts. I pray that we allow ourselves to hear from you. I pray that we don't mess it up. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. I pray that it's exactly what you want, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, I submit myself to you. We submit this time to you collectively. We just want to hear from you. Amen. Amen. All right, spend 10 seconds preparing your hearts. Uh, again, I'm just excited to teach. Um, I love teaching. I love talking about the Word of God. And I just want to show you what he's shown me. If that bothers you, I don't care as much. Obviously, like, I care for you, I'm going to pray for you, but that's on you. I am, I am, no, I, I know, all right, throw it up there. God, if you're out there, so tonight, we're going to be talking about prayer, uh, because these are the kinds of prayers that we hear, see, and sometimes make a lot. And so the other alternate title that I really wanted to ask tonight, do your prayers work? Do you feel like prayer is actually like something that you're like, wow, yeah, prayer, man, like that changed my life. Because more often than not, you ask any Christian, any Bible study, like, man, what's saying you've been struggling lately? Nobody's going to say porn. Nobody's going to say lust of the flesh. Nobody's going to say, oh, man, I just care way too much about money and my own ideas. Nobody's going to say, I've been getting caught up in the empty philosophies of men. They're all going to say, prayer life just hasn't been on point, man. Never I've heard it. And, and, and. So, so here's the thing, though. Why have we heard that? It's because, no, they don't. It's because people don't believe in the, their own prayers. It's because their prayers don't work. It's because nothing happens. They talk to the air for 30, like 30 seconds, and then they just go on with their day. What is that? Of course your prayer life is lacking. It's a chore. It doesn't do anything. It's not useful for anybody. What are you going to do? Are you just like read a devotional in the morning and call it prayer and say like, no, you have a prayer habit? Okay, whatever. So here's how I'm going to attack it with scripture. That's it. First scripture. Luke 23, 29, sorry, 39 through 43. I'm not going to read them, but I actually do have them on the PowerPoint. So you just want one of us to read it from the screen? Yeah. Not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed just, for we are receiving the due reward 
of our case. So this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Is that it? Yep. I thought so. So this is on the cross. The two thieves next to Jesus as he was being crucified. Sorry, I ate like chorizo. Uh, no, I ate it really fast right before this because I wanted to be ready to teach. <coughs> so here's the thing. I want to bring up the dichotomy here between the two thieves. And so, and so one of them looked and he says, Are you not the Christ? Are you not God? Save yourself. If you are God, save yourself. God, if you're listening, if you're out there, there was, there was a condition attached to that. There's uh, an if there, but there's also an expectation before belief. The other thief had no such expectation. He said, cannot you see that this man has done nothing wrong? He knows who he's talking to, and he just recognizes that. Because I think a little bit, and maybe I'm stepping forward a little bit, but I think the other thief, I just forgot what I was going to say. Knew that he had no place to challenge the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He understood the positions and the lack that he had. The first thief was like, oh, aren't you the Christ? Like, let me see something. As if he could call God before him and demand something. Next scripture. Matthew 16, 1-4. I'm, I'm saying it for the recording. I'm not just like, oh, Matthew. Like, I'm not being weird. It's for the recording. Uh-huh. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to, te- and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from the heavens. He answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning... It will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left and departed them. And left them and departed. So my mom used to tell me like this saying when I was a kid, and I had no idea. Like, So I, I would read this. And I would be like, what kind of saying is that? And, and I never connected the dots. Red at night, sailor's delight. Red in the morning, sailor's warning. It's just a saying. It's, it's just that. So like, when, when it is the evening, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. Red at night, sailor's delight. Because you can't, you can't sail on a stormy sea. The disciples tried that, and they almost died. And then Jesus had to do the thing. 
Let it work for you. Red at night, sailor's delight. Red at morning, sailor's morning. Doesn't matter. Here's the thing. The evil... All right. Doesn't matter. Here's the thing. An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign. There is a dichotomy in the thieves. One of them asked for a sign. I'm just saying, maybe he wasn't in paradise. Not because he wouldn't have believed. But he demanded something. Alright. So, you're like, oh, the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? Well, let's go to Jonah. So, so here's the thing about like that sign thing. It literally, it translates just to mean like the defining quality. So when you say like sign of Jonah, we're like, okay, what's, what's like, what do we all think of when we think of Jonah? Uh, the scripture, go back. I want the address. Jonah 117. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So when Jesus was crucified, how long was he buried? Three days and three nights. What? Three days and three nights. When Jesus says the sign of Jonah, he's referring to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Cool? cool. Just want to throw that in there. Luke 16, 19 through 31. Not going to read this one. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. Sumptuously. Sumptuously. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and left his sores. Poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, <coughs> being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish and in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you that in your lifetime, ah, that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And all, and besides all this, between us, you, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able. And none, sorry guys. And none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and they have prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So, here's the thing about this scripture. Uh, most people will call it the parable of Lazarus. 
But there is kind of a minority um, that, I don't know, I'm just going to say, it. it's not the regular pattern of a parable. No other parable uses names. Like, straight up, that's like the biggest thing. I don't think this is a parable. You can, you can think that, and that's cool, and we can still be friends. Like, honestly. But I don't think this is a parable. I think this is just a story. And that kind of messes with me a little bit. Because, like, that's real. But here's the thing. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. There's a big condition. So there's also, there's a dichotomy in prayers, honestly. There are the prayers that work and the prayers that don't. And, and a lot of times, the prayers that don't work are the ones that begin with an if or an outside action. Do you pray with expectation? Or do you pray to raise the dead in hopes that brothers will listen if they do not hear Moses and the prophets neither will they be convinced if someone should raise from the dead they have the scriptures they have the evidence that they need Lazarus has the evidence that he needed but the rich man had the same and he's not there let's keep rolling We'll get there. James 5, 14 through 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of what will save the one who is sick? Righteous person. Close. The prayer of the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. But the same thing, and I'll prove that later. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So one of the conclusions might be. Well, nobody's righteous, so that's why none of our prayers are working. And like, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, that, that might be a good conclusion to make off of this. But here's the thing, is you would stop there, and then you would get, like, super workspaced in your face. And then you would be, like, under massive condemnation, because you would screw up, like, once in, like, 40 weeks. You would like do something bad one time and you'd be like, well, the prayers aren't going to work for the rest of my life now. And on your own understanding, you'd be right. But that's your own understanding of righteousness. 
there's a different understanding of righteousness. I don't think it's next, but we're going to get there. And also to add to like, your understanding, the way that it seems right to a man leads to death. Did you listen to last week? Were you here? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that last week. And so the question that I also want to ask, not only do your prayers work, does God even hear your prayers? Because low-key, maybe not. <laughs> this is this is to like remind me. This is mostly like for me. But but here's the thing, is is we are so ready in in this Western philosophic weird system that we all call Christianity for some odd reason because none of it seems biblical, but that's an entirely different conversation. We are so ready to just tell people, like, oh, God, here's your prayers, man. Or, like, God's been hearing you. What if he's not? Like, oh, God's, God sees it. God, God hears you. God hears you. Maybe he don't. And you're like, well, okay, like, are you going to back that up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isaiah 1, 12 through 17. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense, incense is an abomination to me. No moon and Sabbath in the calling of convocations? Yeah. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Ugh. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates and have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So this is God to the people of Israel. Just like saying, all right. When you, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you, make, even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Leave the widow's cause. So go back one. So, I don't know. Like, I don't, as many of you know, I don't really go to a Sunday morning church. Um, I've been involved in a lot of Sunday morning churches in my life. We can talk about my entire history and resume doing stuff for Sunday morning churches right now. I'm not going to one. Um, And like whatever you want to do is cool. Like that's between you and God. I'm not here to like bash on anything. But like some of the more traditionalist denominations, I didn't grow up with those traditions, so they really don't mean anything to me. They're just kind of weird. Don't let it distract us. Coming back. Dang, that was like straightforward. Um, that's what I am. Straight shooting. But like, so a lot of like this like weird like solemn assembly thing. Uh, yeah, it does freak me out a little bit uh, because it reminds me of this. And and then in the next slide. Uh, you will make many prayers. I will not listen. What does solemn mean? Two hundred degrees. So, not quite bad. 
So yeah, that's why a lot of like traditional like with the churches and the candles and the stuff and like the walking and the standing and the sitting, like I don't know what to do and it just kind of freaks me out. But it's whatever. Like if, if you enjoy that, I'm not bashing that. If that's how like you like worship, that's cool. But, okay, okay. So like I know what you're thinking. This is Old Testament, Luke. <laughs> Proverbs 21.3 is just real quick. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Just to back up that same sentiment in Isaiah. Thank you, Kylie. Proverbs is also Old Testament. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Don't worry. Next one. Oh, John 9.31. Is John in the New Testament or Old Testament? Mm -hmm. New Testament. The Old Testament still counts. Thank you, Kylie. But here's the point. John 9.31. Uh, we know that God does not listen to sinners. What? He listens to the godly person who does his will. That's wild. Why are we telling all these people that God hears their prayers when he might not? Just saying. Psalm 66.18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, like, let's just slow down and realize that this is low-key all over the Bible. Like, I am, like, whipping verse after verse at you because you need to know. I'm not just, like, pulling, like, one random thing in Isaiah and, like, bringing it all up and being like, oh, this is one random verse. I'm pulling out of context and basing an entire doctrine off of that. That's a different conversation, and I'm not doing that. Next verse. Matthew, oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. Matthew 6. 7 and 8. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Hail Marys. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. I had to say it. Like, if you have like these like things, you just repeat and repeat and repeat. It doesn't do anything. That's what the pagans did. Saying it more does not make it work. What makes it work? Being a righteous and godly person. Proverbs 15.29 The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. She's so like, wow, I'm really condemned because I don't really feel righteous. You know what? That's because you don't know what righteousness is. So instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world where you think righteousness is based on a scale of good or bad and when the good outweighs the bad, you're righteous. Or the Christian version of righteous where 
Only Christ is righteous, brother. And so when when so we have this this thing where like even even a little bit of sin completely makes it unrighteous. And and you know what? Honestly, you're right. The wages of sin is death. So any sin you have, anything not done in faith, separates you from God. To to do anything else would be a violation of His holy character. Like you cannot bring a sinful creature around a holy God, because then He wouldn't be perfectly holy. So even even worse than the world's idea of righteousness is uh, more or less the Christian, the wrong Christian idea of righteousness, where even one sin is enough to tear you apart from God. For no one is righteous, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We like to end that verse just right there. But here's the thing. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do not let the things in the world kind of get in there and corrupt your thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind unto Scripture. Stop thinking about righteousness the way that you're thinking about righteousness right now and get out of that condemnation. Literally, whatever you think righteousness is, just like forget it. Like, like that's that one episode of SpongeBob where he's like, fine dining and breathing are all I know. <laughs> like, with a little SpongeBob running around and burning everything. Do that with righteousness. I'm dead serious. Otherwise, this will bring condemnation into your life. And <coughs> that's not good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, I just, that's not good. Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen through sixteen. I'm angry. There for all time. Um, so right there, he's referencing the temple that was just built. Um, so, so here, I did want to bring up humility is a requirement. Because pride says that you have the position to demand something of God before he receives your faith. You say, aren't you the Christ? Why don't you save yourself? That's weird, dude. Like, why are you questioning God? Obviously, it's because he doesn't want to. But that position, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, that's pride. But if you humble yourself, you realize... who you are in respect to the creator of the heaven and earth. I'm not going to be so quick to make them jump through hoops before he gets your devotion. Um, you said, like, why are you questioning God? And I know kind of at this time we're saying, like, it's okay to question, but I think it's the way that we should question is, like, to seek wisdom. I feel like that's not what he was doing. Like, he was kind of just, like, asking God to, like, prove a point, like, you're saying his demand, but it's okay to, like, I guess, 
I've gone through a lot of questioning with God, but it's at a different level, and you know your position, and you're saying, like, God, help me understand this with your wisdom. So I just kind of wanted to make that clarification. That's fine. I think, like, the difference between asking the test and asking the work. Yeah, that's what I would do. But also, I want to throw out. You just mentioned, like, um, like knowing your place, I think you said, in regards to the Father, and to the Creator. That can't go back to that, like, weird pseudo-Christian, um, I am nothingness, like, you are nothing that God would have just, like, made you and called you as masterpiece or whatever word you would use for whatever translation, like, I assume we're going into that in a minute, but I just wanted to throw it out there before we're there, too. Not really. Like, okay. <laughs> but I just, like, righteousness doesn't just belong to Christ, like you said, so, like, when you think, like, okay. Well, we're going yes. there. Right, but I think it would. So I just wanted to put it out there because I don't know how soon we're going there. But like, don't go right back to like you got to know who you are in regards to Christ, like in comparison, but like in full perspective of everything that God, <coughs> Christ, and all the parts of them. Next one, First Corinthians three sixteen. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Go back to the other one. For I have chosen and consecrated this house, and my name may be there forever. So, this is like God talking about his temple. And so like in the Old Testament, you're like, oh, where does God dwell? In the temple, in the holy place. And so in the New Testament, you're like, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's New Testament. Ephesians 2, 19-22. If you've heard me say apostles and prophets are the foundation, uh, that's where that comes from. If you haven't heard me say that, don't worry. It's a different conversation for a different time. You can ask me about it later. In him you are also being built, built together into a dwelling place for God. Just saying, New Testament. Next one. 1 Peter 2.5 You yourselves are like stone being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. Same thing. That's I'm just drilling it in. First John five fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What? So I just like drilled a whole bunch of like verses that you're like, God's never gonna hear my prayer. But then here's the thing: if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So. If your prayer doesn't work, first I would ask, where is your righteousness? But second, I would also ask, did you pray according to the will of God? Because if we have to qualify what he hears, that probably means he doesn't hear the other things. Like if we only see the visible spectrum of life, we don't see the other light. If he only hears the things according to his will, he doesn't hear the other things. Cool? Matthew 7.11 
how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? <coughs> Sorry, I was just shaking my nose. to say with that. It's pretty straightforward. Next one. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Do we know that one? Yeah. The classic Instagram bio. Anytime anything goes wrong in a Christian's life, anytime like Christians have something bad happen to them, they're just like, man, like, you know what? He's got a plan. He's got a plan to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans for my hope and a future. Like, like. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. Like, in our age range, it's literally, <laughs> this is, this is awful, but I'm just going to say it. Literally, anytime anybody drops out of college, like, <laughs> this is what, like, they post that announcement with. They're like, you know what? Yeah, college really just wasn't for me, but the Lord has plans for me, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me hope in the future. And, you know what, it just wasn't in college this semester, so we'll see what happens. More realistically, I prayed for God to let me out of college, and he did. That's the next verse. But here's, yeah, here's where the next verses go. Then you will call on me. And come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So here's the thing. If, like, if you're like, man, I'm just like seeking God, but I'm not finding him. Well, are you seeking him with all your heart? Probably not, because if you did, you would find him. That's what the scripture says. And that's, I've found it to be true. That's the thing. It's like, like, if you just go with the scripture... It's amazing how many times out of ten it's going to be right. <laughs> John 16, 19 through 24. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you were asking yourselves, what I meant by saying? A little while and you will, see, you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and, come on, I'll be lament. 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 But the world will rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually Have you not heard of David's woman? It says Southern Indiana. No. <laughs> Southern Indiana education. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all right. I'm from Southern Indiana. Anyways. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sorry. will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. The miracle of birth. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. So he's talking about the birth of the church, uh, giving in the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, that whole, like, dealio. 
And, and so also, like, this is just, anytime, like, it says truly, I always think about, like, the English equivalent of, like, honestly. Um, no so, like, when, like when, when I read this, like, in my mind, I just, like, honestly, honestly, I tell you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And, like, that just makes sense to me. You can take that or leave it. I don't care. That's why I say it. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. Is that why we, when we pray, we say in Jesus' name? So that's why I say it. I don't know. So honestly, I, like, I had no clue why we said that until I read this verse, and then after I read this verse, like for the first time, like, I realized like that's why we say it, and it, it like made me realize how much power it actually has, and then I caught myself like, oh. This actually is more than just words. Like you were talking about how like people just babble on words. Like this. Like the pagans. Yeah. Like yeah. this actually means. Uh, but if you don't teach them, it means something. They're just babbling on. They have no clue what they're saying because it sounds right. Because it sounds right. We're all just taught to put on a face in church to say the right things and do the right stuff. Yeah. But the traditions of men nullify the word of God. What is that? Mark um, seven thirteen. Mark seven thirteen. <laughs> 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 but but here's the thing it's real though what if what if we just had a community of believers that that looked at heard read the words of Jesus stored it in our heart and said okay when the when the church is birthed when the holy spirit comes when the pain is over and the new life is brought forth, truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. What if we just believed that? What if we just had a community of believers who lived that, stored that in our hearts, and knew that? Because we don't. I'm not here anyway. I haven't been everywhere. I can't speak for everywhere. So going back to James 5.16. We read this earlier. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now we're hitting. What is righteousness? Well, I'm glad you asked. Genesis 15.6. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Why was Abraham righteous? He believed the Lord. Are we cool with that? Is that okay? Is that proper exegesis for you? <coughs> yes. Habakkuk 2.4 Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by faith. So, these are two verses, Genesis 15.6 and Habakkuk 2.4, that are quoted, like collectively, probably 15 times in the New Testament. Look them up. I'm serious. They're everywhere in the New Testament because the New Testament authors understood the Old Testament and used it. So when you're reading the New Testament, oh, the righteous will live by faith. They're actually quoting Habakkuk. Romans 3.22 The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Go back. Not there yet. <laughs> 
righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. How do you get the righteousness of God? Faith in Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? Die. And then live. He conquered death. Here's the thing. Your righteousness does not come by your actions. That's the world's way of thinking. You have to leave that and come over here where your righteousness comes by faith. Comes from believing God. Not just believing in God, but believing and trusting God. What? You raised your hand. Yes. Uh, I thought you said water. Um, I was I, like lasering. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't looking at you. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, my, my question was, can't you be righteous and a sinner? What? Can you be righteous and a sinner? How? That's cool. I'm not. Yeah. So, so my thing for that, and and like that might like freak some of you out. Just like hear me say, like I'm not a sinner. Um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, what does that make us now? Not sinners. Righteous. Adopted sons and heirs. I could not be adopted into God's family were I not righteous in His sight. I could not be righteous through any of my own actions, but through my faith in Jesus Christ. So why are we afraid to say that I'm righteous and I'm not a sinner? Because all that does is bring glory to Jesus. It's not by anything of my own. Of course I've done things that would condemn me out of God's family. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and my faith in that, I am righteous and I'm not a sinner. So, so here's the thing. What? The thought I had in my head was like a little inappropriate in the saying. Like you, you tell one lie, you're not necessarily a liar. I believe the rest of it is you screw one goat and now you're a goat screwer. Um, <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> but, fine. But that, my thought was like, like having done something doesn't mean you are defined by the thing. I was trying to think of different terms to put that in that was not the gross phrase. I don't know what the Adam's phrase, but I mean, like, Paul talks about, like, it's not I sinned in the gross phrase. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 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 Are we seeing like this like weird correlation? Because we would also have people who actually had faith in the crucifixion of Christ. Because your righteousness is not given to you. But here's the thing. We have so many people who are like, oh, Jesus is Lord of Lord of King of Kings. He died for my sins, but I still have to earn my way there. Right? Huh? What? Because we're so afraid to say Jesus Christ bought and paid for my righteousness with his blood. 
And I am righteous because it was given to me by Jesus Christ. We're afraid of that because then it's like, oh, I don't know. All of a sudden, well, that's cool. It's because you're still thinking of righteousness based on what you did, not who you were made by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to be. And you just receive it through faith. It's like bing, bang, boom, done. You don't have to earn it. Next scripture. Well, okay, go back. So you're like, okay, cool. I can receive righteousness by faith. And you're like, wow, how do I get faith? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What? Well, hopefully now. But hopefully a little bit outside of now. That's it. That's the end. Here's the thing, though. If you don't have any faith in the righteousness and the works that Jesus did, go hear about it. Because, honestly, you probably don't have faith in God because he's not what you're thinking of. When you hear things like, oh, man, like, you know, I just have faith in God. And you're like, well, a hurricane just killed like 40 people, so I don't know if I have faith in God. That's because God didn't send that hurricane, and you don't know that, so your understanding of God is off. And if you would just, it couldn't, like, just, just actually understand who God is, if you would just know him better, if you would understand Christ more, then you would have more faith. The more I explore the Bible, the more I explore theology, the more I explore actually like who God is and what he's done and what he wants to do, the more faith I have. Because, it's weird, but faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It turns out it was right. If you want righteousness, start at the start of the chain. If you want prayers that are powerful and effective, you need to be righteous. If you want to be righteous, you need to have faith. If you want faith, you need to hear the word of Christ. And the word of Christ is that God descended to a man, was tempted, tried, perfect, condemned to die. He died so that he could be the propitiation of all sin. And so that his righteousness could be given to us and in that, we could be the temple for his spirit. That's the word of Christ. Where does God dwell now? Not in the hurricanes, in his people. The reason people think that this, like, this planet, there is no God, is because his people aren't stepping up. People aren't doing what he would do. Because when Christ was here... Like, bro, he made waves. People knew this dude was in town. They were all healed. They were taught with great authority. Signs, wonders, he fed 5,000 with like five loaves of bread and a few fish. That's what God would do. I think people think God's not around because God's temple isn't doing what he would do. 